1: or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around
3: the NFL Podcast. Not buying what Matt Shaw is selling. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Handis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Zessler, Greg Rosenthal... And Patrick
4: Claybon. Oh, let's legally tamper, boys. <laughs> I know the first first day of you know free agency deals happening. You know we got a big retirement. We got to guess Dan is moving, and Ugh. yet you know we the first uh, thing you hear on the show is Matt Schaub. <laughs> well, that,
5: that of course, by the way, was our wonderful friend Chris Wrestling wrote. The definitive hit piece on Matt Schaub on NFL.com some years back and I uh, was always quite agitated by him and I agree he was an agitating quarterback and that's why
2: covered. money hit, hit him with the ultimate stray just randomly out of nowhere Matt Schaub somewhere <laughs> mounting his own business and just catches <laughs> this giant massive bullet like like Mario Kart sized bullet just drive
3: his car immediately <laughs> <off the> <laughs> um, yes this is essentially the opening of a new league year uh, it officially uh, hits on Wednesday but As I alluded to, this is the legally legal tampering period portion of free agency, which means uh, you can connect with players and enter into agreements, and we're getting a lot of them uh, flying fast and furious. It's just after 1 p.m. here on the West Coast, and we got a lot of news to get to and a lot of signings. And I'm sure, boys, uh, that more will come while we do this episode. And this is all set against the backdrop of the retirement of one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Drew Brees. So we have Jeff Duncan, one of the most respected uh, columnists uh, in the game covering the Saints. He's with The Athletic, and he's going to join us and talk about life after Brees and talk about a little bit about Drew Brees' legacy. So that's coming up later. But, yes, let's get going. Let's dig in. And, uh, Ricky, why don't you jump in for this, too, because I know – this is, uh, look, see, if you didn't know that I was moving, now
4: you know. Wow. Well, a man be behind me. The, a a literal background. box. Yeah. <laughs> Literally today. Today is your official moving day. Uh, so the, I've been congrats. up since 4 a.m.
1: Where wow. are you? What room are you in?
3: This this is like a garage that's been converted into like a guest house.
1: Because there's like a kitchen behind you.
3: Right. It's very, yeah.
5: very attractive.
3: It was, yeah. <laughs> I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of plans uh, for this this space. You guys, when you come and visit, you'll see. I think where you're, where I'm sitting right now, I'm going to turn into a full bar. That's that's oh, oh, going to wow. get wild. It's going to and there's going to be a guest bedroom behind it. So th- I'm very excited about the move. I was in Culver City for seven years exactly, March fifteenth, two thousand fourteen, uh, to today. Um, and uh, it is interesting though, just the way things work out. It falls on the beginning of a new league year. So this is a bit of Well, and of also a the Ides of March, dash.
5: by the way. The Ides of March, which historically are... It's an interesting time to make a major life move. Um, Yeah. Well,
1: I have a question for you guys. Like, Mark is always like, you know, saying that we he could never, you know, any of you guys could ever afford a home, and you bought. So, does that like throw you off the common man rankings? Because Sessler is always saying we'll never be able to buy a house, and now you and Claybon are homeowners. Like, is is this pushing you up a level? (laughs) It's
3: a fair question. I don't think owning a home makes you not a common man. I, I. I feel very fortunate just, uh, Patrick, I'm sure you do as well, and maybe you could jump in at any time here, (laughs) Claybon, but I'm very happy. Uh, My wife and I have worked very hard uh, to uh, achieve this, and also, I will say, the pandemic has been horrible, uh, but it did save us a lot of money, and whether it was travel and childcare expenses, and that really is what got us over the hump, so uh, yeah, we're we're very fortunate. Claybon?
2: Yeah from from my point of view we don't own the house like we send the bank an exorbitant amount of money to to let us continue to live here in this like pie in the sky idea that 30 years if i still exist <laughs> that eventually i i will own the house so it's a uh, I think we can still be common men as we are beholden, right, to a landlord. That's true. I mean, the yeah. bank
3: owns the house. Let's be completely <laughs> honest about how all this works. And I would also um,
5: note that the, like, some of the reasoning that the Sessler family does not own a house could track back to some financial decisions that were questionable. <laughs> so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and speaking of the Sesslers, um, I have two little monsters, Jack and Harrison, going to drop them over at Sessler Compound. Uh, after today's show, so my wife and I can get, do some work in and around the house and uh, close the back door at the old place. So thank you, Mark for that.
5: No, we Whoa. can't we can't we've got a, a massive agenda prepared for their uh, entertainment. <laughs> 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 All right, let's
3: get to it. The reason I have Ricky, I asked Ricky to jump in besides asking a, a strangely personal question um, uh, on the show. Uh, the Patriots, the big stars so far. and by the way, i'm I'm barely uh, plugged in right now, as you can imagine. I was scrambling doing my homework and uh, before we started on, and I see the Patriots are going nuts. So what do they do? Uh, let's start at tight end. This has been a major problem for the Patriots. Um, feel free, Ricky, to throw in a little throne of ease uh, jam if you'd like here as well. Uh, the Patriots have not had any production at tight end since Gronk left. They sign they signed Janu Smith, formerly of the Titans, to a four-year $50 million contract. It includes $31.25 million guaranteed. This is a 25-year-old tight end uh, who was a little bit under the radar in Tennessee, but everybody seems to love him, and now he's getting paid like a star at tight end. Uh, we got the two Patriots fans here. What do you guys think about this move?
4: Mm. Well, this was the guy on our show we did on NFL Network Friday. We had a segment, guy I would happily overpay for, and my first option actually was Trent Williams but Mark got to him before me. So, I went to Janu Smith and maybe Belichick's watching NFL Network getting some uh tips cuz it's a guy again. who's is a guy who's never gone over 500 yards in, in four NFL seasons but just physically is a a marvel to behold, fun to watch, can block, is very much like a poor man's younger Gronk, I think, with a little extra speed and after-the-catch ability. Um, but he's also kind of the guy, and I would throw Matthew Jude on, I know we'll get to the other signings, um, the kind of guy the Patriots normally don't sign early in free agency, which which is a really good starter who's going to get paid a little bit of a premium, not a pro bowler. It's like when when we watched the Ravens-Titans game you know, heading in the playoffs, we weren't like previewing it saying like, how are the Ravens going to stop Johnny Smith? And how are the Titans going to slow down Judah? No, they're, they're like really good players. And more importantly for the Patriots, they're at positions where the Patriots are literally the worst team in the NFL. They are the worst at pass catching. And I would say they are the very worst at having a pass rusher. So they paid a premium because they have all this cap space and they got like solid starters. That's my take.
1: I'm super excited, and I think he did have more of a breakout year last year, for, like you said, for the last four. Like, looking at last season alone, he really did sort of step up. So I'm excited for that. We just need to get someone that can actually throw the ball to him. So this is what I'm waiting oh. for. You oh. know what I mean? It's like Cam's yeah. not going to do it. All right. Well, well, still I you holding will. on to
5: that. <laughs> I think he will. I mean, I love that Belichick basically called Johnu Smith the best in the league, uh, tight end in the league in in yards after the catch and the way he maneuvers once he gets the ball in his hands. And so, you know, sometimes Belichick waxes poetic and then destroys that player on Sunday. um, But he really does value him, and they absolutely needed the position upgrade. And tight ends take some time to develop, and there were a lot of mouths to feed in Tennessee. So I think he, for a team that's still going to be pretty run heavy, um, he's a really good fit.
2: People wonder about the production, right? But, like, A.J. Brown didn't have – like wild production there's only so much uh you know in terms of catching the football that that people could do but i mean you mentioned it mark when when John o smith gets the ball in his hands and he's healthy it's like wow like who is this guy and i see why bill belichick wanted that and you know to erica's point about cam like this is something that they're whoops as i blip away here this is something that they <laughs> I think they're able to do because they know what their plan is, right? Early in free agency, it's like, all right, well, so we have Cam. He's in place. This is what we're doing. And they are able to get out there and make an aggressive offer, like an hour, 30 minutes after the window opens to John O. Smith's folks and the Rosenhaus camp. And they're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, this is good. Let's I think perhaps a lot of the times, especially this week, we're going to look at the total contract, which is. Even more pie in the sky, I think this off season that it normally is in terms of like five years, eight hundred billion dollars. I think it, the the structure is going to matter this year more than anything else. But I, I think it's it's a nice aggressive offer to a player that is really really fun to watch, and I, I'm I'm excited for Patriots fans uh, because I think they're going to feel differently about their quarterback when he has somebody to throw the football
1: to. No. No, no. And I don't he's, know. I, you can't convince me that he's not going to be like a Taysom you know, Hill type. I do not. I he think can't. that we're going to be. Well We should
4: back up and say that since we've last taped, Cam Newton signed a contract uh, for one years, three and a half million guaranteed, five base, your five or six base, and it can go up to 14 with incentives. Like and a so, Super
1: Bowl or Pro Bowl, please.
4: Right, Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, like all that stuff, making the playoffs – they That is, if you look at last year's salaries, it's between A.J. McCarron and Case Keenum. So I, I do think that's instructive. Like, they wanted to lock in Cam as either a potential starter or a backup or a guy that's going to be competing, certainly a guy that's going to be competing, I think, um, early because they liked him at that price better than the Daltons or Winstons or Fitzpatricks. So that was their choice. I do think Garoppolo? he can be – I Well, but I, I don't think this gets him out of the – in the in a world where Garoppolo becomes available because the 49ers sign Watson or trade for Watson, which is I think the only you know way Garoppolo is available, I think the Patriots could very much still be in a veteran quarterback market. I mean, they're, they're paying Cam, like I said, backup money, but I think they have hopes, and I do too, that he can be an average starting quarterback and that for that price like that's a good bargain compared to like what Wentz is making or other guys
5: well I think they're going to draft someone too I mean they have been doing according to reports a ton of work on the rookies not just the typical stuff that every team does and I just think there's a part b to this that Cam Newton is a bridge and you know I do enjoy watching Erica slow dance with that child that made fun of Cam Newton, the two of them verbally um, against everything that Cam Newton stands for and does. But um, I don't think you're going to have to watch 16 starts of him next year.
1: No, I just don't need him posting on Instagram like, you know why I work out to gospel music? Because, like, I love the grind. It's like, come on, man. Throw throw a ball.
4: Throw the ball.
2: Anti-Instagram right. takes just seething from so, Erica Tamposi. Just don't get on the gram.
4: And just it's go like back. you don't even need to listen to w e i just tune into our podcast <laughs> it's like it's like it's like Zolac is here is right here with us uh just I, not throw just a little cold water
3: of the John U. Smith signing. you know this is one of those classic first day of free agency signings where we're now talking about John U. Smith like he's Travis Kelsey meets George Kittle I, I, all right we'll see we'll see if he's as good as everyone says, but there is. I think important, an important thing, and this is more a, a broad feeling, and, and and you see it every year, is that a lot of these signings aren't going to work out. A lot of these big, splashy signings. And you, and you look at it on paper and you say, oh, this guy's perfect for this offense. He's this, he's that. Well, it's like, if he was that good, why is he not uh, with his team anymore? Um, Johnny Smith hit free agency. The Titans let him go. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't mean he doesn't have value, but... Okay. There was just a lot of flour he talked to now about John right. Smith. Like, he's the greatest well, we player we said it ever last lived. week.
4: We said it last week, and I, we talked about it two weeks ago. I ranked him as my number one tight end before knowing where he would land ahead of Hunter Henry. I do think he, like, expands a playbook, and, and that's the yes. unique – a unique trait for them. Of course they had like eight plays last year. Right. (laughs) But I just mean like he can block, he is such a red zone threat and he fits well with a good run attack. And I do think he could be better in his second contract, but of course, Dan, they're playing a premium. I do think, you know, unlike the Titans, for instance, so the Patriots looked at this year and intentionally decided this was the year. They were going to have a ton of cap space when other teams don't. And now now they're going to spend it. Oh, I'm not excited. I mean, he's like, we're back, baby. I don't think like today's... I got like a hundred more news items. We're still talking about the Patriots. There's so much excitement <laughs> in the air right now. But they, they are the story today because it's not just those two guys. Matthew Judon. The, yes. This is these are Thank two you. year two year deals. He gets thirty two million over two years. Johnny Smith gets very similar. They're all basically just two year deals. Um, Judon is a is a really good try hard. Can do a little bit of everything. Pass rusher. Very like much closer to Rob Ninkovich um than Chandler Jones, for instance, when I think of like how he'll fit in New England. And a really good player. But again, you're like paying a premium and it's because they don't have players. Like they have some of the worst position groups in the entire NFL. In the front seven and their pass catchers, and they know it, and that's why they gave Jalen Mills uh, a two-year contract from the Eagles. They gave Devon Godchaux, who I liked a lot, uh, coming into free agency, a two-year, you know, guaranteed money. But these are all just like solid, okay players. They're not, they're not like going to change your team, but they need those guys because they were among the league's worst at a few of these positions. Are you, are you doing something new, Greg? Here now, you're not even. I, well, you're
3: just saying the guaranteed years. You're no longer even talking about what the actual. Um, initial figures are You're taking it To the next level You're working on basically, A higher they're, plane
4: They're basically Yeah The, the, the Godchow and Mills and, and some of those deals Are four year deals But it's a, they're essentially Two year guarantees Yeah We should I have like been Doing Mitch... that the whole
2: time Right <laughs> Now right. you're going to that that you, you started, that, Greg, you have
4: To do that forever now Now that you started Greg One of the bigger questions Coming out of
5: this Entire Um Patriots frenzy is Mitch Goldich from SI asked if Jalen Mills will keep his green hair. He's had green hair for years on the Eagles. Do you suddenly Mm. make a fashion decision? um, Or or do the Patriots maybe change their uniforms to incorporate some green? You're not allowed to color your
3: hair in New England. Are you kidding me? You're not allowed to have
5: fun. Well, that's fair. Um, Oh, is Is it
2: one of those like Yankees facial hair things that got banged it. against our heads for 15 years it was just like a storyline that for some reason existed
4: <laughs> didn't Ocho like Ocho had some crazy hair uh, with the Patriots didn't I? Cam I like Newton was, he was there for like three hair. months but yeah
3: Johnny Smith Matthew Judon Jalen Mills okay I'm I'm not scared. It's it's good. They're they're trying again. It <laughs> looks like. But if you're going to act like oh the Patriots are winning free agency, okay. But we'll but see. who's
4: acting like that? I don't I don't think anyone <laughs> You're right. On the first day of free agency, you that you're right those teams get like Outsize attention, but I don't feel like anyone is looking at them adding like a handful of like solid starters and thinking their team is totally changed. No, it's but like it's the same. They're roster.
5: being dressed up the same way that every year one team gets dressed up this way. And it's like they've won the week. It's like three of these players won't be
4: on the roster two years from now. I they,
2: mean. they are getting back eight defensive starters that opted out last year. I think that's, that's, fair. that's probably it, something. Getting getting
4: Hightower back is is uh as big of a move for them as any of these and then you get Chung back and they they traded Cannon. <laughs> no, Greg's not excited. You're all in. You're ready, baby. I'm sort of the opposite. Like I I think of like 3 years ago when you had a running gag during their last Super Bowl season that I'm not even really a Patriots fan. Running which, gag which which like hit home unfortunately. <laughs> That I don't feel anything anymore, but right. I, I do think it's logical what they did. Let's move on. Enough of that. A lot of Patriots talk. It was good. They're doing well. Not
3: They're not the only team doing business, though. Shaq Barrett of uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending champions, they are staying in business together. Four years, $72 million. Uh, base value, $17 million. Can get up to $8 million, $18 million with incentives. Uh, thirty-six million guaranteed, according to Adam Schefter. This is a nice move here, uh, Mr. Claybon, for uh, the Bucks, and maybe it doesn't happen if Mr. Tom Brady, the former Patriot, uh, doesn't restructure his deal to free up some more money. Brady's very manageable salary for being a super duper star quarterback <laughs> is helping the Bucks in their title defense here.
2: Yeah, he's gonna get sixty million dollars over the first couple of years, so we we can probably cool it right on egalitarian. Um, just, uh, you know, just a redistributive know, Tom man. Brady. It's good. Um, he, it's good.
4: He, he took like 20 million more guaranteed. I don't get, <laughs> he's not doing anything out of the goodness of his heart. He just got all this cash and got guaranteed money into 22. 2022. Listen, Greg,
3: I know he, you, you kicked him out the door and you're this still is the same argument
4: that. we made in new England. He never took like less. He took a little <laughs> less money. I, I will give that. But this particular contract, I think, well, you know, he's getting a ton more guaranteed money. Just, a,
2: just triggered. a philanthropist, Mr. Brady, uh, doing doing all he can to to lift all boats. I, I think, um, honestly, like I'm looking at 17 million and seeing what Shaq Barrett did in the Super Bowl and and through the playoff run, and it, I I think he gave them a hometown discount. Like I, mm. I came here and people, you know, saw me out of the shadow of Von Miller. I lead the league in sacks. I win the Super Bowl the next year. Um, I, I think he could make an argument for for much more money. Uh, so in terms of the way that the Bucks structured this, it's good for them. Um, you know, I, I do think, you know, the Carl Lawsons of the world, all the other edge guys out there, uh, wouldn't have minded Shaq Barrett to to take a little more money, but this is this is the nature of the thing. Pe- people like to win. People like yeah, to be he's comfortable.
5: The, he's the ninth highest paid edge um as of an hour or so ago. So you're right, I think you're right, because you wouldn't have been surprised if he became the highest paid. Um it's and, and that didn't happen and they I thought they got Levante David back at a at a relatively affordable deal. Um you franchise Chris Godwin. I mean this Bucks team didn't even win the division last year. And I don't think we've even seen how good they can be. And I, I there is a unified push to bring everyone back. And I, to Dan, to your point, if, if someone other than Tom Brady is the quarterback, A, nothing that happened last year would have happened. And B, half these guys would have signed elsewhere for more money.
3: Uh, in other news, Aaron Jones is staying put. Um, we talked about this uh, last week. He wasn't franchised. Uh, the two sides, though, kept working at it and they come to terms on a four-year, $48 million contract. Uh, so Aaron Jones coming off back-to-back, big-time years, stays locked and loaded uh, in the Green Bay backfield. Mark, this one makes a lot of sense to me. I thought it would have been a real head-scratcher to let him go when you're basically locked and loaded for another big run at the title. Uh, and I, I don't care how, what do you think of Dylan, the second-year player. You have a star in the backfield. Good job keeping
1: him.
5: Yeah, I mean, I guess you, you, there is there is another way to look at it. Like, maybe they could have franchised Tagnum for $8 million and seen what happened, but I don't dislike the deal. I think that there, I know is as, as, as people are hostile towards the idea of paying running backs, but I think there's a cluster of guys that deserve money, and I would put Aaron Jones in that category just because you're right with A.J. Dillon. I think they do, he played well down the stretch, and they do like him, but you know what you have in Aaron Jones. Do you go and disrupt... The backfield at this stage of Aaron Rodgers' career and the kind of season he just came off of, I don't. I think he plays a much bigger role this year too in the passing game because Jamal Williams, or yeah, he, he's basically he's, he's going into free agency. He won't be part of that attack. So they kept, I think, one of their best players, and along with Devontae Adams and Rodgers, you've got a triplets as good as anything around in the NFC.
4: They hooked him up, and they they could have tagged him, and he ultimately got more guaranteed money on what's a, a, basically a one year deal. If like, his guaranteed money is really in that first year, and he's getting significantly more than the tag. It's a, it's actually a, a rare example of a team hooking a player up when they actually could have put him in a in a worse spot by just giving him that franchise tag. And they're betting that he's going to be part of their team for a while and that they're actually going to get to year two and three, and, and that makes sense because Aaron Jones is awesome. And I think the A.J. Dillon pick can still make sense because he's going to have the same role. I think whether Aaron Jones is there or not, I think he's going to be out there for 30, 40% of the snaps play a lot in the red zone. Like he, he looked pretty good and they're not going to want to give Aaron Jones 300 touches They They are doing the thing. The bucks are, which is like, let's keep, let's keep everyone together. You can do the Patriots route, which they used to do, which is let's shake it up. Every year is new. We don't even want to bring back everyone when, when we're the championship Team, or you can bring back the key people, and the Packers are bringing back Peston Smith. They're bringing back Aaron Jones, just like the Bucks are bringing back their key guys. Which, if nothing else, is like good for fans. Like football's fun; it's fun to root for the same players and the same good players that like you were rooting for last year. Yeah, you the get Bills are another
5: team doing that too.
2: You get you just get diminishing returns, right? Like if you're trying to constantly replace good players, it it, it becomes something that's that's hard to do, right? I, I think Seahawks fans would have been fine. Uh, sacrificing a few things to keep the, the Legion together for, for another season. I think a lot of these teams that, that had that group of years, that three, four years where the championship window was, I think teams, uh, fans at least, probably wouldn't mind uh, having guys stick around a little bit longer. And yeah, you're, you're doing it potentially at the cost of the future, but the future might not work out like this, this whole thing. Well, yeah, like the Steelers, for example, like, oh yeah, we just draft great wide receivers all the time. So we can just get rid of them. But like, eventually (laughs) it's it's not always going to work out like that. It may feel like it does, uh, but it's just hard to get guys who can uh, succeed at a high level uh, over and over again. It's better. Just keep the ones that you
3: have. Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones's agent, Drew Rosenhaus told ESPN, we anticipated bigger offers in free agency, but Aaron wanted to stay with the Packers. Well, it's all kumbaya between the running back <laughs> and his team. And it, for some reason, Eddie Lacy just flashed in my mind. And uh, Mark, when I think about the early days um, of whether it was around the league or when Greg came aboard or ATN, I can't remember which era it was. The off-season of writing about Eddie Lacy and his conditioning efforts and so is there yeah, a that beach body that in there, there somewhere?
5: Yeah. yeah, he he joined he did. He joined up as a beach body member, and um I don't think that it didn't result in a career year by any stretch, but he did <laughs> shake some of the uh narrative around his, his fitness. Yeah. He, well anyway. We Let's remember a guy,
3: Eddie Lacy. One,
2: One of, of the nicest on. guys um of the running back position in the last few years. Eddie Lacey's a really nice guy. Tweet at him. He'll tweet back at you. Everybody, yeah. Nice. Tweet it, a little easy on 42 on Twitter.com.
3: See, see how Claybon just gives us a little a slice of humanity there, <laughs> and I liked it. Eddie Lacy, good dude. Moving on, Joe Tooney. Uh, he has a new team. It is the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending conference champions. I was bummed about this one. I was hoping the Jets were going to get Tooney, who's a rock-solid guard. Um, they wanted him last year. I, I imagine they were gunning for him this year, but the Chiefs are aggressive. And they gave him a five-year, $80 million contract, uh, close to $50 million in practical guarantees. Now, I don't know what practical guarantees
4: are. That's a new
3: one. The, so I don't know what that one is. Um, but anyway, this is a, a much-needed uh, splashy move here. Uh, for the Chiefs, Greg, who gutted their offensive line, just cut both their tackles, and now you can plug in a guy that's, and you know very well uh, as a Patriots fan, uh, maybe not the greatest guard of all time, maybe not Quentin Nelson, uh, but a guy you just plug him in and you don't have to worry about him.
4: No, really good um, starting guard who never misses a snap can play center too. If, if you want. And like those guys get paid. I, I was starting to have a theory that all these guys, including Shaq Barrett and Judon, that they were all like just a little bit of a discount more. And I don't think Shaq Barrett's taking a hometown discount necessarily. I just think that's probably the market that was there for him in the bucks when any tie breaks, I, that I think maybe all the players are are not quite going to hit the same levels that they would in a different year where there's more cap space available, which is which just makes sense. And the, even that change is not a big difference. It's probably just a couple million dollars a year. Um, you know, 10% difference. But then I look at this Tooney deal. This doesn't seem like there's any discount to it. There was a strong market for him, 32 guaranteed over the first two years. And be, it basically is, you know, 48 over three. Like that's top guard money. That's what you expected him to get. There's no discount there. That's what he got. That means that your Jets most likely and probably other multiple teams were, were in on Tooney and you had to go big to go get him. I enjoy Makes
5: Greg, uh, like with these these two dueling theories that a the money will be less because of the climate, but b the cap doesn't actually matter. So it's two worlds of thought colliding and not always fitting there. together.
4: The, the cap matter. The cap uh, this year is there is less money to to spend. That is absolutely true. When I say the cap doesn't matter, it's with this Taysom Hill. It's like the Taysom Hill contract and and the even in the Brady contract. Like if you want to push money into the future, like give Taysom Hill a, a pretend $140 million contract or Preston Smith. Like, you can do it as much as you want, right? Like, you basically can do it as much as you possibly want if you've got an owner. Like, Benson's just, you know, giving out those Benjamins.
3: Ben's son. <laughs> uh, Matt
4: Milano staying put in
3: Buffalo. The linebacker resigns signs Four years, $44 million. That includes $24 million guaranteed. Uh, it seemed like Milano was going to hit the open market, but instead, Buffalo ponies up. Uh, for a three-down linebacker who can make plays all over the field when he's on the field, uh, but the
4: Bills running it back with Matt Milano. One of the better um, off-ball linebackers. I think that Levante-David deal helped the Bills out because Levante-David got top-of-the-market money when I, I don't think you would have expected him to at 31, and so it's like Milano, you just slide him right in there, uh, right around the same money for a younger, you know, probably more dynamic player at this point. David's obviously had a better career, but Milano's pretty awesome. They were very different with him on the field.
2: And a, a franchise that values continuity, right? And we see it in just how many Carolina Panthers <laughs> find their way <laughs> uh, to upstate New York. Uh, and so they're they're able, yeah, they, they were, the idea was that price, perhaps the price would, would get a little bit too high. Uh, but in terms of what you're actually losing and, and what you gain in having Matt Milano back, I believe that they you know, were, were able to find that medium where it's like, oh, hey, yeah, you don't have to change much. Uh, you get to do what you know that you can be successful at, and it, it makes sense for both sides, which is you know what we're looking for in deals.
3: In um, other news, Kyle Juszczyk, the uh, fullback, uh, is staying in San Francisco. Uh, Rap Sheet reported a five-year deal worth 20, $27 million. It is a done deal, all signed up, Uh, use check. By the way, this interesting – first of all, he's known by everyone apparently, and I was, I guess, a little behind the curve on this use check stuff, but he's Juice. Everybody calls him Juice. And I find it interesting that Juice is good again. It's – the OJ thing, obviously, (laughs) Juice disappeared, and it wasn't a nickname that anybody would affix themselves to. Um and and what a nickname it was for OJ, by the way, because not only was he was Orenthal James Simpson, OJ juice, he juiced every offense he went. It's one of the great nicknames to see it get pulverized the way it did. But now it's back, um, somewhat ironically with a with a fullback. Um <laughs> this is more an aside, uh, but it did get me thinking <laughs> I that like the it. juice is back. Yeah, especially I'm, I'm through the you, PED
2: though. scandals, right? I mean, Juice took a negative connotation. In, That's in true. Countries.
3: It had a double hit. It had the baseball steroid scandal. It had OJ. You thought it was dead, but it's back with a fullback.
5: I also did not know this was his nickname until Greg um, Juice suggested that the Niners re sign Juice in our in our. Communications channel and I'm just like, wait, who did they sign? Who is this? And like, then I like an hour passed till I figured this out. But um, what I didn't
4: either. I totally am just copying like every 49ers beat writer who also just I, it's, it's his, just, it was news to it's his Twitter right. name. Like well, his Twitter name is okay. actually Juice check, Juice check. But and then it gets <laughs> be even more better. Of touch.
3: This is why it was like really uh, I couldn't stop thinking about it this morning. I woke up again. Um, the movers didn't come till seven. But I woke up at four and I just couldn't go back to bed. So I was just like reading and I I stumbled on this uh, use check story and I went to his Instagram and uh, so incredibly thankful to be a part of this organization for five more years. Thank you, Faithful, for the continuous support. Looking forward to showing that the juice is always worth the squeeze. Mm. So he's
4: leaning into it. Juice is back, baby. Plus, uh, I I learned something that um, my slamming of like their signing of Kyle Youthcheck like four years ago was was so um, I guess overly aggressive that it actually became a uh, it became known to the general manager there, John Lynch, who who kind of had it out for me uh, because of that. And I really put him on this top one hundred one. This top, I put him There's on the beef. top one hundred one. He was aware. Aware of how much I slammed the Kyle Check signing years ago, so I put him on the one, o- which I became aware of through through um, you know one of our insiders. And so I put him on the one-on-one list this year, just saying this is an apology for four years ago when I you know degraded your signing of check which which. Um, turned out to be a bargain really uh he he ended up being a great signing and i was told it was passed along to him through back channels you know and he really appreciated that that apology i can't tell well, any of real, this is real or not builder. this is real this one is real this one's real
3: john lynch <laughs> i mean how thin can one skin be you read a greg rosenthal piece slamming
4: your signing and you you got your uh, underpants all in a bunch I think they just defended it. He was right, by the way, and Juszczyk wouldn't have gotten this much money again if other teams weren't going for him. Like all these little Kyle Shanahan wannabes out there, they wanted them some Kyle Juszczyk too. They wanted the juice. All right. They do read this stuff because I can remember a time when um,
5: Daniel Jeremiah came up to me and said, hey, I just want to let you know that like David Caldwell, the Jaguars GM, um, read something that you said slamming Jacksonville and basically came up to DJ. It was like, who the F is this Mark Sessler clown? (laughs) And it's like, that's how you build connections. All right,
3: let's uh, push pause here because we have a very special guest to introduce. Yes, he is a columnist for The Athletic, one of the most respected guys in the game. Uh, and, all, and they're good for this man because he just so happens to have a book that he put out recently called Peyton and Breeze, the men who built the greatest offense in NFL history. Look at Jeff Duncan on the timeliness in a big spot for moving units of his book. Welcome for the first time, good sir, to the Around the NFL podcast. Thanks,
6: guys. Yeah, my timing was good on that one. I was really worried Drew was going to retire last year before the book even came out. That would not have been nearly as mm. good a timing. So we were fortunate there. I might have even paid him a little under the table to to hang on for another I was going
5: to say, did you convince him to come back for this final season? That would be very kind. I did beg him. I did
6: beg him, but I I don't think my $100 handshake uh, was going to sway him one way or the other. (laughs) All
3: right. So, Jeff, and thank you again for joining us. Uh, We want to just kind of get an update, lay of the land, what's going on in New Orleans. It's the end of an era. But I want to start the conversation uh, this way, and it it comes from your uh, Twitter account, your favorite quote on Drew Brees comes from uh, longtime performance coach Tom House. Drew is a superstar without superpowers. Drew will have a spectacular play or two, but he's not a spectacular quarterback. He's just the best f-er who's ever thrown a football. Drew Brees, who retired officially on Sunday, uh, that does sum it up, right? Because the guy that barely reached six feet tall never looked like an all time great quarterback. But he sure as hell played like one for a long time.
6: Yeah, it's a great quote. Uh, Tom House is a penchant for those kind of quotes, but it really does sum up Breeze. I think Breeze was kind of the Greg Maddox of quarterbacks, right? Hmm. I mean, he's the guy that paints the black, doesn't overpower you with the big arm. He's not Nolan Ryan, like say Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. And I think in this day and age, guys, where uh, you know everything's social media, uh, viral gifts of of exploits by Patrick Mahomes throwing across his body 50 yards downfield that's not breeze he he takes a more sophisticated approach and a nuanced approach to appreciate his greatness and I've been fortunate because I've been here for his whole career 15 years of covering him and seeing it over and over you really have to uh, I mean you really learn to appreciate his brilliance it's not the physical assets it's it's the commitment, the drive, the attention to details, all those intangibles, and then his ability during games to process so quickly and then to make those accurate throws like no one we've ever seen in the game. I mean, he's going to be the all-time uh,
4: most accurate
6: passer, and that's going to be, I think, his greatest legacy.
4: Mm, I, I think, you know, you think Saints, you think Peyton and Breeze. I also think Jeff Duncan, because, you, you know, you've been there the whole time I follow the team. You were, you were there before uh, – Drew Breeze. You were there for the San Antonio, you know, post-Katrina season. And so you so- sort of saw the impact Breeze and Peyton had. The, the thing uh, I'm curious about, Jeff, from seeing it up close so much, are you surprised it ended up lasting as long as it did without blowing up? Because there were some moments, you know, post-Bounty Gate certainly, in mm-hmm. the the seven and nine series of seasons, there was off field stuff with Peyton. You, you wondered if he was going to leave. Like, what do you think kept in, in the end what what ended up you know keep kept them together all that time to the point where they just had you know a four year run that was actually better than any four year run in the regular season that, than they ever had with Brees? Well, I think there were a lot of reasons, Greg. Um, you know, and you make a good point. We haven't seen that
6: type of collaboration last as long as this this duo did, right? 15 years. Uh, look at Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. It kind of went south on them in Green Bay. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Mike McCarthy. I covered him down here with the Saints. Uh, he's a great coach. It just, things went south and went stale on him. Same thing happened with Andy Reid in Philadelphia, right? He had to move on, goes to Kansas City and, and has this, uh, you know, resurrected career. And it never happened in New Orleans. I think because both these guys understood that they weren't going to be the same without each other. I think that uh, both of them are very smart and both of them have great instincts. And I think they understood that uh, each one complemented each other. And I think you also have to give Mickey Loomis a lot of credit, the general manager, because as you mentioned, some things did occur on and off the field that could have led to this uh, breakup of this marriage between quarterback and head coach. And we really haven't seen anything like it in NFL history. What I mean by that is we've never seen a quarterback – an elite quarterback like Breeze paired up with an offensive mind like Sean Payton. If you think about all the great quarterbacks in history, they've never had someone coaching them that also played quarterback like Sean Payton did and who has that keen understanding of how important that role is, especially in today's game. So I think that also made it a significant collaboration, and, and both those guys realizing uh, they could not find it anywhere else like they had it here.
5: I, in your feature too, which is, was a great read, um, you had a quote from James Carville that basically, you know, said that he thought Drew Brees was one of the most important New Orleans citizens in modern history. I mean, there's that whole side of it. You could argue had more of an impact on a city, the quarterback on a city, than Tom Brady in New England um, or really anyone. I mean, it, what happened in the in the timing of Katrina and all that? He is woven into the fabric of New Orleans forever.
6: Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing and you you have to be here and I know Greg lived here for a while. I mean, you have to understand New Orleans is such a idiosyncratic city in America. It's unlike any place in a, in in this nation. Uh, the European influence here makes it very provincial. It's almost like a, a Permian of the NFL, you know. Mm. This, it's like a Texas small town football passion, which I didn't know when I moved here. I had no idea the Saints were this passionately followed by the fan base I mean, people here name their kids after Drew Brees. They name their pets after Drew Brees. Uh, You go to a game, all races, creeds, religions, ages, wearing number nine jerseys. He's easily the most popular person, not just athlete or entertainer, person since I've lived here in two decades. I mean, there's no one even close to him. And I think to your point about Carville's comment, which I thought was very astute, uh, you know, this city for centuries has had a reputation of, really corrupt political office leadership, a lot of backroom deals here. People don't trust anybody. And so all of a sudden you had this really competent, earnest leader walk into their midst who picked New Orleans right after Hurricane Katrina. He had options. He could have gone to South Beach and quarterback Nick Saban's Dolphins. Instead, he picked New Orleans at a time when no one was coming here. Everybody was leaving town. And I think people immediately gravitated to him, and then they saw the success on the field. Immediate, surprising success. And, uh, you know, all those things added up to making him as popular as he was.
3: Do you get the feeling, uh, Jeff, that there was any waffling uh, on this? Because it it was becoming a bit of a running joke on this podcast. That when I was checking in, hey, he hasn't retired yet. And there was that... <laughs> Report out there that he was, you know, setting records, uh, pushing a sled or whatever. And it was just like, was this a do you do you get the vibe? This was a difficult decision or was this a done deal as soon as the playoffs wrapped up this year? Yeah, it was done. It's been done for weeks. We, we though, I will say this. Everyone in the media
6: was dying, wondering, well, maybe he did have second thoughts. Because I was told by a lot of people internally right after the season that there would be an announcement probably after the Super Bowl. And so internally the Saints were in lockstep with Breeze, but I think as calculating as he is, as considerate as he is, his attention to detail we talked about, I think he wanted to do it on a special day and picking the 15th anniversary made a lot of sense to me. It was very much on brand for Drew Breeze.
2: Jeff, you had mentioned the the union, right? And how they were better together uh than apart. Well, here, here we are. They're they're gonna be apart. And Sean had definitely ingratiated himself uh, to the fan base, even more through the way that uh, I think we saw the way things played out with Drew and, and how loyal he was. So now uh, we're in this Sean only era of the Saints. How different is that going to be?
1: Mm.
6: Well, I can tell you this: I, I think Sean Payton. He'll probably never admit this publicly, but he's invigorated by the challenge ahead as a head coach. I think he's looking forward to try and rebuild this offense in a different way around a different quarterback with different skill sets than Drew Brees. And he had a chance to do it on a little bit of a a limited basis the last couple of seasons when Teddy Bridgewater filled in and Taysom Hill this past season. But I think trying to rebuild a championship level team around a different quarterback, I think is stimulating to him intellectually and psychologically. I think he's looking forward to it. And I think the roster here is good enough in a lot of other places, defensively, uh, you know, along the offensive line, obviously I'm a Kamara, Mike Thomas are all pro level talents that this isn't going to be quite like what we saw in new England last year when Tom Brady left. I think the roster in new England's better on both sides of the ball than, than what Belichick had to work with mm. last season.
4: Well, Belichick thought he was getting reinvigorated and everything <laughs> until they went seven and <laughs> nine. He was all excited right. about it too. Tell me it's going to be Jameis though, not Taysom Hill. Cause I've been kind of dying on uh, Jameis Winston corner here for a while. And, You know, this is to me, this is going to be his chance. I just heard Kurt Warner on our network say he thought Jameis Winston, when he was in Tampa, I'm using his words Kurt Warner was in the top seven in the NFL, picked that number out of thin air in how he could read defense and see the field. And I was like, if Kurt, if, Kurt, if that's good enough for Kurt Warner, it's good enough for me. Do you think it's good enough for Sean Payton? Wait a second.
3: Let me just jump in, Jeff, before you yeah, answer here. Sure. And yeah. I apologize. Greg didn't do his homework. He doesn't know that Taysom Hill just signed a four-year, $140 million deal. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no question who the franchise quarterback is in NOLA. Yeah, I think there's a lot of funny money in that deal, by the way, guys. Uh, yeah. I don't know if
6: you'll ever see that hundred forty, But, look, I think they're going to be a competition. In the fall between those two. And I'm, I'm assuming Jameis Winston's going to re sign here in the, in the days ahead because they've made him a priority. And I know that they've had a lot of communication. So I expect that to happen. But I think it'll be a lot like a deal that Drew Brees signed here in 2006. If you remember, I mean, the narrative's kind of been written now, but it was not a, a done, sure thing when they signed Brees. I mean, they had an out clause after one year that if it wasn't working out, if he wasn't healthy, they could walk away. Drew Brees could walk away. Uh, so, you know, it, it's been rewritten a little bit that there was this love at first sight thing. But uh, they definitely left themselves an option. I think the Saints will do the same thing with Jameis Winston if it doesn't work out. But I tell you, internally, coaches here, players, teammates, they all love Jameis Winston. I've not heard one negative word about him. But again, I think I heard the same things about Cam Newton and the marriage up in New England. And it was going to be the Patriot way. It was all going to work out. And it didn't quite work out. So I'm kind of in show me mode down here.
5: I have a quick one for you. Drew Brees now becomes an announcer, um, which is a very chic thing for quarterbacks to do. And you, you got Tony Romo setting the bar so high. I, do you, knowing Drew Brees, do you think, um, wow, this guy's going to be an awesome um, color analyst for Notre Dame?
6: Well, I think he's going to be amazing in describing the game. Uh, you know, making it easy to understand for the casual viewer. But I don't think he's ever going to criticize anybody. Brees never. He never Mm. says anything bad about anybody. So, not good. That sets the ceiling a little lower, though. That's a problem. I just know how he's wired. He's too nice a guy, but he will be brilliant at like recollection and recall. You know how like like the PGA golfers can remember the club they used and what shot in 1974? That's Breeze. (laughs) I mean, he's amazing at, at recalling plays and stuff. And I think that'll really come in handy as an analyst describing plays that maybe he ran that are similar to what he's watching on TV. I can't wait to see how it plays out.
4: Well, we know you're not going to bury him because he still might, you know, be doing, you know, Breeze book number three or, or whatever. Or the, <laughs> the next Breeze book. They have a good grace. Yeah.
6: I'm not going to bury Drew. He's a hard guy to bury This is the other thing I'll say about him as a guy that covered him. I mean, 15 years, you all know this. I mean, covering the league. Uh, he's He does a Wednesday press briefing like every quarterback in Big Star League. He never missed one of those in 15 years. I mean, he always showed up for those things and stayed as long as he could. For a superstar, uh, he was as accessible and honest and never really got short with anybody. Uh, just amazing to deal with on a professional level, and I- I'm going to miss that for sure.
3: And one last uh, question here, Jeff, and you could follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffDuncan underscore um, for all the latest on the Saints and the great writing he does there. Is there any way there's something up Peyton's sleeve here at quarterback? And I know they're eternally trying to get under the cap and they find a way. Uh, I'm not saying Russell Wilson necessarily because that, that just seems ridiculous. Uh, but Winston is a free agent. So there is some flexibility to do something different. Will, uh, Taysom Hill obviously is on the books. Is there anything else potentially another option line, line in the weeds here is a uh, post, uh, breeze? Well, Peyton's always got something up his sleeve, so you can never discount him. And
6: it would not shock me if he fell in love with a quarterback in this draft and they got aggressive and went after one. That would make sense to me more than a trade for Russell Wilson or some big name quarterback. I just don't think the cap uh, figure is there for the Saints to do that. And I think this is a one-year kind of trial where they're going to have to go cheap, uh, much like the Patriots did last year, just because of the cap implications. But a rookie quarterback would, would probably still be able to work. and if he finds a guy he likes, and and I don't know, I haven't talked to him about it, but they say he liked a Trey Lance, somebody like that. He really, really wanted, they would go get him because that's what they
3: do in the draft. And that would not shock me at all. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see what happens next. A new era for the saints and Jeff, thank you so much. And go get Jeff's book. If you want to read about the definitive uh, telling of the tale of Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Thank you very much, Jeff Duncan. Thanks,
6: yeah, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Thank thanks for you. having me, man. It was, good. It, was a, it was a great time. I appreciate
3: it. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. There I'm he going. goes. Great, Jeff Duncan. That's good. That's a good, for, you know, you have a guest on for the first time on the show. Sometimes they're good, you know, and they, sometimes they're all <laughs> right, you know, I, I will, uh, and uh, you 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 regroup after the show and you say, oh, is that somebody we'd love to have back? Or is that a hit it and quit it one and done? No, Jeff would love to have Jeff back. You could tell he's just one of those guys. That knows exactly <laughs> what's going on down there, and we could learn from him as well. So,
4: so, if we have a guest on next time and you don't say anything about him, then then the put list put infer that it's possibly a hit it and quit it. Well,
5: connect the dots, and you know, Patrick, you've been on the show multiple times, so you don't need to worry about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's clear that we're fans, multiple. You know? yeah.
3: No, it does extend to people sitting sitting in on the show for sure as well. Um, you know, it did get me thinking, and we did uh, the NFL Network show returned last Friday. Around the NFL, and it will be back on this week as well. So, uh, set your DVRs accordingly. Uh, we did a, this week in NFL history, and we did just pass the anniversary um, of Drew Brees signing that initial six-year. I think it was six years, sixty million. But as Jeff uh, points out, there was an out trigger if Brees's surgically repaired shoulder uh, wasn't gonna if it wasn't gonna play. Um, obviously, it did. I think that that is. I think definitively. The greatest free agent signing in the history of the sport. Right. I mean, you could I guess say Reggie White was, quote unquote, more important uh, because the timing of it and, uh, you know, the fight to get to free agency. So there's a different way to look at it. But for what they got in 15 seasons, a Saints franchise that was essentially going nowhere, almost their entire history and and what he gave to that organization and also the city, that's
4: got to be the best free agent signing ever. Right. I don't even think it's close cuz yeah White I I think I made one of these lists a few years ago and I think White was probably the, is probably number 2. I mean, and he was awesome, but he wasn't there for 15 years. It wasn't like you were signing him in the start of his prime. The the Saints were so mediocre for so long. They weren't bad, like uh, in the Aaron Brooks, Jim Hazlitt, really like the like the 90s through early 2000 they were just like mediocre and he took the you know he took them into being one of the they won more games than anyone except the Patriots since he signed
2: I think right because it it, 15 years spans it 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 literally spans generations right you have generations of Saints fans uh, that know this entire era as it relates to Drew Brees and so the the city and the perspective there I, I can I'll try to, like, push back on Tom House, right, because Tom House is a coach, so it behooves him to have this narrative that, like, yeah, if you work hard, you can complete 70% of your passes. No, you can't. Like, Drew Brees has significant right. talent, right, at throwing the football. He's so, so accurate. Like, yeah. that's the thing. Like, it can't if will gonna, it to happen. Yeah, right. it if, is if, a talent. Like, Brees, Maddox, like, throwing a ball where you want it to go takes a significant amount of talent. And... Uh, you know, the, the saints and the relationship at the time, right. If you go back then, they might not have known, but like any relationship, it, it, it had a great start. It had its ups and downs and they were able to see it all the way through. And and I think like looking back at it, people wonder about these past few years. I think they were important, even though they didn't win that ultimate prize. uh, It it kind of went to, to cement what this team means uh, to people there and, and what Sean and Drew honestly mean to each other. And And I'm glad that we got to see the way things played out here these past few years. Yeah, and
5: he endured through the quarterback position changing so much. I mean, it was a huge thing that he was six feet tall. And now Russell Wilson and others have come and changed that whole thing too. But, I mean, he got there and they immediately went to the playoffs. And they, they were a very sort of up-and-down team. You can go back to the Bobby Hebert squad of the late 80s too. I mean, it wasn't the 1960s and 70s with Archie Manning. But, I mean, he came in at a time when New Orleans went through one of the biggest things any city in our country's gone through in Katrina and I just the marriage of all these factors together make it a really special tale and it's also amazing when you've got dolphins fans thinking what if what if we had evaluated this correctly and found a way to get him in our building Two franchises would be completely different. We mm. think about them completely differently. I know,
4: I know, we should move on, but it, it is fascinating. I think Paul Tagliabue really helped save the Saints probably more than than anyone. But I do think the success that Breeze and Peyton had in '06 was huge. You know, because it, it, our listeners probably don't know, like there was literally a report on ESPN that the Saints are moving. Mm-hmm. That the and that was the owner. That was the owner deciding to do that. Right. Who's the same ownership now moving to San Antonio? And the league and, and different things helped to step in and, and stop that from happening. But then to come back and to be that good, they went to the NFC Championship in '06, which I know Saints fans just look back at that season as such a magical ride because you did not see it coming, even with Drew Brees. Uh, and then to get to the point where I think about these last four years, he, uh, there was like an anonymous Saints player. I forget who. Uh, I, I think it was anonymous who said, you know, they they all thought 2018 was their year. And it, it is It is a shame to look back and not have that Saints-Patriots Super Bowl that could have been if not for the, the bad call. And you can even think about the year before when Drew Brees played unbelievable in that Vikings game that they wound up losing at the buzzer, the Minneapolis Miracle. Drew Brees' comeback in that game was like one of the best games he's ever had. Uh, And so it's like a a little more luck and Breeze could have gotten back and and maybe would have gotten another Super Bowl, but wasn't meant to be. And you're right.
3: Everyone would have loved to see Brady Breeze, in the Super Bowl. It does remind me and it reminds, I think, a lot of people again that Breeze he was pretty much shot uh, this by the end of this past season at 42 years old. And hey, listen, that's normal. So yet another all time great. Uh, gets taken down eventually by Father Time. He hung in there a little longer than other quarterbacks in the past. Uh, but it, it just, again, points out how insane it is what Tom Brady's doing. And um, something that Wes brought up often, um, the quote that was um, affixed to Peyton Manning and then his importance in Indianapolis, that Peyton Manning changed the skyline uh, in Indian- Indianapolis. That's how important a figure he was in that city. Drew Brees saved football in New Orleans. I mean, he, him being at the front of that team, um, making them competitive again, and then eventually a champion within three years. And then it's good. And Peter King, read read his uh, latest column, Football Morning in America, uh, how tirelessly Brees worked behind the scenes um, during New Orleans' uh, recovery post-Katrina. I mean, he, he walked the walk and not just talked the talk. So uh, Drew Brees whatever comes I don't I don't Duncan really he gave us a good idea that he's probably going to not be that interesting in the booth I, <laughs> and he's so right because that we've we've talked about it for years in this podcast is Jupreeze a little bit of a phony uh, all these other things are great obviously but is he a guy that he's always going to be saying nice things about everyone and you never really learn what he thinks about anything that might be what he is as an
5: analyst you can or, make or it, because he's so competitive like he's going to have to realize mm that part of the job that you can't be a Pollyanna about every single athlete you speak about. Um Troy Aikman went through that. He became much more critical in, in more hmm. in, down the, down the road on his announcing career and became better.
2: Whatever you do, like if you're, however, however you go about it, just as long as it's genuine, if he's gassing people up and that's who he is, and, and he's up there excited about gassing people up like, Oh, this guy could throw the ball through the moon. Then like, okay, that that's fine. But don't just like, just don't fake it, Drew. Just give us Drew. Mm. Give real, us some.
0: If you you, know. you can make
4: up for it, if you're great on X's and O's, you can make up for it. If you you actually teach us something, because not enough not enough of the the X players do that. I always think you you mentioned like this last thing a Breeze like in New Orleans, like a how big he is part of the city. I always think of like how his house is you know, you know, right on St. Charles. You know, kind of the classic you know New Orleans uh uptown street and right on the trolley tracks and so it's like every you know everyone knows where drew Brees lives and i always thought that was cool like every mardi gras or anytime the saints won a big game like everyone's dousing his house in in beads and celebration and all that stuff it's like he he literally was like right there in the city amongst the people all right let's uh close out the show with a little bit of a eight o'clock delight hit it ricky
3: The Lions re-signed defensive end Romeo Aquara to a three-year, $39 million contract. He had a big contract here. 10 sacks and 61 pressures. He's staying in Detroit. Hey, they're trying a little bit, Claymont.
2: Yeah, I'm glad they're keeping somebody. It can't all be fresh and new. Uh, gotta, gotta keep good players. So yay, Lions.
3: <laughs> Kevin Zeitler, uh, cut by the Giants in a cap move, re-signs quickly, uh, with, or signs quickly with the Baltimore Ravens. Three-year, $22 million
5: contract. Mark, this guy just loves the AFC North he does he's a really consistent player he's missed like one game since 2014 and I think the next thing is to see what happens to Orlando Brown Jr. who wants out
3: Uh, the Houston Texans are making moves in the trade market but not the one that everybody wants them to do at least not yet they trade linebacker uh, Bernardrick McKinney to the Miami Dolphins for Shaq Lawson
4: Greggy, what do you think about that Texans doing some weird moves. I'll just throw in the Marcus Cannon trade that they they got from the te- Patriots, which makes sense too. But then all these like little first day signings of special teamers that like it's always like the worst team that does that. You know what I mean? I feel so worst. bad after that great uh, podcast interview
3: uh, uh, Trotter and Steve Weiss did with David Culley. I feel even worse about the situation.
5: He seems like such a good dude, a wonderful guy. Yeah, uh, in a tough spot.
3: Preston Smith restructured his deal to stay with the Packers. And Nate Solder uh, will remain with the Giants after reworking his contract. Anybody? Anybody?
5: It's going to make people
2: feel better about Nate Solder, right? He's not making as much money, so maybe Giants fans will cool it.
3: (laughs) Uh, Give give the guy a break. Finally, some cuts. Trey Turner, he is cut loose. Also, Casey Hayward uh, now enters the free agent. Hmm.
4: Well, related to that, we've got a little bit of uh, breaking news here. I mean, I I think it's worth it for breaking news. All right, let's Let's, hit it. Let's do it, Ricky. All right, the Chargers have made Corey Lindsley the highest paid center in the NFL. And so they use some of that money where uh, they saved by cutting Turner and Hayward, and they give it to Corey Lindsley. They also re-signed their cornerback, michael davis who's solid but uh that's been their problem they've they've thrown a lot of money and picks at it over the years their offensive line you will remember the
5: free agency fits piece that i wrote that i as i mentioned um caused sort of an earthquake on nfl.com i had lindsley to the Chargers, so it's not just hoopla it was it was drenched in real substance
3: Uh, you have the yeah the results to back it up i Uh, also
5: have some breaking news by the way okay let's hear it oh yeah former friend of the show an ex ram safety, John Johnson, has signed with the Cleveland Browns. He's now a better friend of the show.
4: <laughs> John Johnson, unfortunately, um, was the guest where we were told we were going to have a different guest, Robert Woods. <laughs> oh, that and then John rough. Johnson came up and sat uh, with us. And Dan was in a tough spot as the host because he knew it wasn't Robert Woods, but no one told us. I I have have to tell tell you, tell
3: us who it was. Four years ago, I wasn't incredibly familiar with what John Johnson looked like. And I I was like, who is this? Who's I remember scrambling, asking who's walking towards us right now? When
2: did you find out? It was Johnny Johnson.
5: As he was sitting down, I think I heard it and I whispered it to Dan basically. And Dan like pivoted very professionally, but it was, There was some crossed wires in terms of us receiving the proper communication.
3: And one more bit of breaking news. Ricky, hit it. (laughs) Wow. The juice is loose. No, he's not. He's staying in San Francisco. (laughs) Kyle Juszczyk signs a five-year extension. He had this to say, looking forward to showing that the juice is always worth the squeeze. That's just in case anybody missed it earlier in the show. Right. If we don't do that enough,
4: we need to start doing that. Say brought, stuff later, like, like it's yeah, a radio show. That was good. Uh, they brought back uh, Jason Verrett, too, by the way, who was awesome last year. Hit it, a, Ricky. Well, no, we don't necessarily need another breaking news. <laughs> I just, just pointing it out. If you're just tuning in, you didn't know that. Uh, Verrett, nice player. Brought him back.
3: All right, good. That was good. Good show. First show from El Segundo here. I'll Welcome to the deal. South Bay, Dan. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here Um all have, three of
4: you guys now. Yep.
5: I'm the only one. Dan and I are Greg. probably like four minutes away from each other.
3: And Mark, I'm going to see you in a, a little bit. And, and yes. the children, they've been bottled up all day, and they, mm. they're looking for a release. And now I'm going to send them to you like cannon fodder. They're just going to be firing into your home like a pinball in a pinball machine.
5: Well, I rattled Simone's cage just a little bit and made it very clear to her that she was going to be a large part of this operation, that it was... <laughs> to <laughs> require some effort on her part.
3: What do you think? What do you think the vibe's going to be? Uh, because it's been a little bit, of course, pandemic related. Uh, Jack, about six and a half now. Harrison, uh, four, and then you have Luke and Colton. What's the vibe going to be? You think Is it going to be? I think it's
5: going to be. It's going to be adventurous. It's going to be unpredictable. But I know that you say that you're dropping them off after they've been bottled up as sort of a trick on me. But I'm just going to feed them like, uh, you know. Big giant cups of like warm melting chocolate, so that when they're unleashed back on your new house, it's going to be something you've. You're never like an alien that
3: doesn't even know what humans eat and drink. So when you try <laughs> to
4: describe something, it doesn't sound right.
5: Well, you're probably right.
4: They're gonna. If, if that's true, though, they'll come back to Dan, just like puking and pooping all over. What did the you have? It's just gonna be. I, w- wild. I, I drank warm chocolate. <laughs> what is that? All right,
3: Patrick, uh, you've done it again. And that's why you're, you're a regular part of the program. Uh, not, a, not a one-night stand with Patrick Claybon. That's not his style, and that's not our style. Always there with the call. Relationship.
2: Always on time. That, that, that's what I try to do.
3: We are in a mature, committed relationship. It, it, it feels sh- good.
2: Thanks, yeah. guys. I, I, I like you, too. <laughs> <laughs>
3: hey, good news uh, for people who like this podcast. We're going to do a show um, every day this week um, for – uh, pods, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, the network show is back. So uh, we'll be back with you again uh, tomorrow, uh, staying up to date on the new league year, the legal tampering period. Uh, that's it uh, for today. And uh, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm. The old boss, Patrick Claybaugh and Ricky Hollywood, behind the virtual glass. Until Tuesday, he's the call.